Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 47, Daily Doodles, TikTok, and Patreon with artist Miriam Tilson. So I'm going to be very short with the updates. This is a longer episode. We had such a great conversation. I didn't want to cut out a whole lot. I thought about doing a part one and a part two or taking out some of the content and making it available just to Patreon members. So in the end, I decided to keep it all in. And I think it's a great episode. We went through a lot of material. And so I've gone through the episode. I've added chapter markers to help make your uh, listening experience a little bit easier. So stay tuned. I'm just going to cover a couple of things. Then we'll get right into the conversation with Miriam. So I wanted to just cover a couple of things. I've been uh, playing on an app called Clubhouse. It's available only on iOS and it's invite only. But I've been trying it out, seeing how it works. It's kind of an audio chat thing. I'll talk about it in a future episode, but I just want to let you know I'm there. So if you are there, just you can try and find me. It'll be fairly obvious who I am. And uh, I will cover it in more detail in a future episode. I am doing a print giveaway in the next week or so. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to be giving away two prints in each. So I'll post a tweet about this, and I will uh, also add something to Instagram as a post. And there'll be instructions on how to get your name in for this print giveaway. I'll be giving two prints away on each platform. So you can enter in both, but you can only win once. The winner will receive a 5 by 7 print. I will cover the shipping and send it to you wherever you are in the world. And I'm probably going to run that for about a week or so. So keep an eye out on my social media and follow the instructions. And I think this is going to be fun. So my second edition of the newsletter is coming out. Uh, in at the end of February. So the newsletter is free. If you're interested in receiving it on a monthly basis, you can go to either drawinginspiration.fm or to mikehenley.com and you'll be able to subscribe to the newsletter at those locations. My guest this week joined me on the podcast in September of 2019 and is back to talk about what she's been up to. Her artistic style is unique and thought-provoking and has certainly been a topic of conversation for many online. Since we last spoke, she started a daily doodle project and created some interesting pieces which we will explore together. Also, her recent appearance on TikTok led to a post that received tens of thousands of likes in a very short period of time. Joining me again to talk about her creative journey, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Miriam Tilson. Hi Miriam, how are you? Hello Mike, it's super, super nice to be back. It's, it's a, such a pleasure actually. I really enjoyed our last episode. So. Yeah, that was so much fun. I was uh, obviously been watching you closely since we last spoke. I was <laughs> looking back, like you're going to be, uh, this will be episode 47. You were on episode 11 back in September. Oh of my goodness, really? Yes. Wow. Wow, well done. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really good. Uh, I've, you know, it's, I've had some wonderful guests yeah, and yeah. I've learned so much since we spoke. And I really wanted to have you back because there's been so much you've worked on and there's some specific things I want to talk to you about. It was just so wonderful to talk to you because of, you know, the type of work that you're doing. And, you know, we got us into some deep conversation. We we had some traumatic experience that we both shared as, as a child and losing a parent. Mm-hmm. And I just felt there was a connection with all of that. And yeah. I, I thought it would be good to kind of circle back, especially with the, the pandemic, hopefully getting to a point where it's getting better and just do a check-in and, and see how everything's going. So sure. uh, how are you doing? I mean, I can't really complain. Really. I I'm, I think I'm part of the few people that are very privileged to have had a fairly smooth sailing experience as far as that could be possible for the past year. So I, I think I've been very lucky in a lot of different ways that I try to acknowledge every day. 
So I'm definitely feeling the mental exhaustion of the past year. It's sort of weighing heavy and it's a bit more difficult to find the motivation to do things and keep going as much as I used to. But overall, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm feeling like things are getting slowly more positive and so I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think we have an advantage as creatives because we have a place to go. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. And, and that is separate from everything that's been happening. Exactly. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you've been sharing your work as well. And, you know, I, I think it's a reflection. I think you do get probably a lot from your followers on YouTube and Instagram because you, you talk to them in a way that, you know, sometimes it's it's been tough on all of us uh, throughout, through the last, well, it's, it's coming up to a solid year now mm. um, since we were kind of shut down here in March. And, it's great to hear people kind of responding, and I, I think it's just natural that we have our ups and downs, right? Of course, and it is, yeah. it, it can be tough at times, but I think, um, I don't know, I, as creatives, I, I think for me, I, I work in a hospital, COVID's been very close to me through all of this, but uh, if it wasn't for art, this would be harder. There's no doubt. I agree. I, I fully agree, definitely. While it was quite mentally taxing to try and keep working and keep going and... <laughs> And also I've had the the sort of existential crisis side of things of this whole pandemic has hit uh, hard because I felt like I should be doing something more practically helpful to people rather than uh, something a little bit more abstract like art. I felt like sometimes I had a bit of an existential crisis regarding the fact that my job is art related, which is not something that's particularly essential to anyone. Um, on the face of it uh but then i sort of i dove deeper into what into my work and i sort of realized that every frustration i was feeling every difficult feelings i was going through sort of was put into my pieces and every time i created something that spoke to me i just felt better and so many people came to me after i released a new painting a new video saying that it was comforting and they felt more hope and they felt more seen and they felt understood and and there was something very healing about having being able to create a little bit of a community around those hard feelings and creating beautiful things out of them that it sort of renewed my my appreciation for how much art can help us through very difficult times in a way that i was never really taught i've always been taught by society that my job is utterly useless and um should not exist in times of crisis and i think actually that this whole pandemic really highlighted just how much we actually do need things like art and it was humbling and also hopeful in a lot of ways yeah i do think that uh you know i think what we needed through this was more people like you and being oh. honest with what you do and being open about what you share because so many of us were looking you know for inspiration they were looking for peace they were looking for an escape mm. and the kind of you know as you coined it in our last episode the figurative dark surrealism that you do <laughs> is certainly an escape um and we'll get into a couple of those pieces but it's i do think that it's hard being true to who you are when you feel there's pressure externally for you to be something better or something different when you just need to be the best version of you yeah 
And I think that's something that I was sort of toying with the whole past year is that I have anxiety. I'm sure I have other things. I've never really gone to a therapist to be diagnosed with anything yet. So I would like to in the future. So I can't really self-diagnose, but I do definitely have anxiety and I'm a bit of a hermit. I also feel the suffering of others a bit strongly, sometimes in a detrimental way that sort of stops me from functioning all that well. And I didn't want when I shared how I felt on my different social media platforms, I tried to not cross the line from sharing how I felt because I wanted others to not feel alone into uh, just sharing how I felt because I needed to vent and elicit sympathy. So I didn't want it to be an emotional burden on anyone that watched me or whom I shared my work with, but I wanted to be more of a haven where people felt they could also share how they were feeling and feel like it was a safe space for them to feel any way they they wanted to feel. It was difficult because I felt so vulnerable most of the year, like many, many, many of us felt. I think a lot of us just have felt very delicate for the past year. Mm -hmm. And I... I think it was difficult as a as a social creator, social media creator, to find strike a balance between those sort of difficult feelings I was feeling and being a good place for the people who watched me. Um, but trying to strike that balance helped me find that balance in myself too. So um, just by trying and to share beautiful things, even if they were difficult, but still trying to find the sort of silver lining to them, helped me identify those silver linings in my own life at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, was a, it was a weird year for emotions. <laughs> it, it, it was, but it was very interesting and I learned a lot about how I deal with them and how other people see my channel and how I can tailor my content so it's something that's helpful to others even though my content is quite dark I want it to be helpful and sort of a a way to bring relief to others rather than something that can bring them down yeah and I think like we're going to get into I want to get into a couple of pieces uh, but we'll get into that later I, I think sometimes people I think need to look at your art differently and I'll, I'm going to talk about that later because I was guilty of approaching it, I think, the wrong way. that It wasn't benefiting me as much as the way I look at it now. Oh, interesting. Like when I look at your work, uh, your piece, Shelter, uh, I, it wasn't until I really spent time on that that it just it, it hit me that it's this is saying more about me than, than it is about you. Hmm. And I think if we open ourselves up to that opportunity looking at some of your work can motivate us and and impact us in a way that helps us to understand better who we are. And I, I want to talk about that because I think people look at it like, ooh, that's creepy. The skin's falling <laughs> off. And I don't, I, I, it, you know, what you're doing is, 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 is unique and imaginative and impactful, but people need to understand there are different ways to look at art and we need to open our eyes and open our mind to that. And there's some maturity in looking at that, but I still think you know looking at things with a child's eyes is is helpful too. But it's a really ba- it's a balance with your type of work, right? So yeah, I agree for sure. Um, it's always something, and I'm sure we'll touch on this when we talk about TikTok. But there's always <laughs> when my work starts to reach new audiences that aren't very used to the kind of content I create. There's always a few comments that I find very interesting where people are their first initial reaction 
it's very very strong negatively um i'll have people who insult me who diagnose me with the worst possible mental illnesses they can think of as a form of insult which is mind-boggling to me that people would use mental illness as an insult but Mm -hmm. and sometimes it it does get to me rationally i know that it's not really got anything to do with me but sometimes it will get to me because obviously my work is very personal so anything that you know can be said negatively about it will hit home but more often than not i sort of feel sad because i think that those people if that's the way they perceive what i've created then i worry about what they might be going through if that's the pain that they seem to have manifested in the images they saw yeah it's it's i understand that my work can be difficult to look at sometimes it's not the intention um and i don't create them for pain or shock but it's interesting to see that they can elicit those emotions and i understand that they do yeah, there'll be as many interpretations of what I create as there are people. I think. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's okay. I, I really, as I say, you know, I implied in the earlier portion is you know we need more people like you sharing w- what what has meaning for you and 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 being free from the the burden of doing a certain type of art for a certain type of person and mm. you're just doing it for you. Yeah, and uh, it it has an impact and and there is a narrative that we can pull for ourselves from your work and mm. i just think it's wonderful so uh thank you um i can i can i can understand people looking at it and going uh, you need some help yeah i get that a lot <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, disagree necessarily i don't think it's because right. of my art but i i i see where they're coming from <laughs> yeah i don't think it's it's not gory it's like that's not what it is right it's just it, it's it's an odd use of of things that we understand to be you know, skin shouldn't do that. Right? Yes. <laughs> and the head needs to be attached at the top of the body. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that if, if we free ourselves from that, we will have an appreciation of, of something special, something deeper. And I think it's cool. Thank you. So I wanted to, you know, you were talking about dealing with the last year and that. And there's one thing that you did do, which was really cool, is you did this daily doodle diary. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you can talk about that because I... I try to draw every day. I don't, but oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so hard. And I, I, I have taken that approach. It's there's some days I just can't, and but there, are, there's times when I haven't drawn for like four or five days, and I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm, I tell my wife like I don't, I feel bad. Like I, I need mm-hmm. to, I need to unlock that bit that I've locked away by not drawing. And you, you draw for an hour, and it's like, oh, that there, that's. That's, That's what done. I needed. Yeah. <laughs> so can you talk about your daily doodle diary? Because I think that's a wonderful exercise. Um. Yeah, sure. I, I really, I did not, I uh, mm, did not expect 2020 to be quite what it was going to be when I did, <laughs> when I set off on that journey. <laughs> so uh, you started this in January? I did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Full of young me, full of hope and joy and uh, enthusiasm and then life decided that no (laughs) (laughs) Um, I literally just found this beautiful little diary while I was in France visiting my family and I was like oh that would be perfect to try and draw every day and so it was literally just off the cuff like that there was no planning or there was just finding this diary that was beautiful and thinking that it would be cool to try and do a a daily doodle I think the main reason I decided to do this challenge wasn't because 
I wanted to try and draw every single day as a as an achievement. The aim was to let I was almost ninety nine percent sure, if not a hundred percent sure, I was not going to manage to draw every day. And the guilt you just mentioned is something I want to get rid of because I don't think it's a productive feeling. I think most of us artists feel it. I've seen so many people feel so bad about not being able to draw every day. I see people who tell themselves they're not real artists if they don't have that desire to draw every day. Even in my YouTube video where I shared the Daily Doodle Diary, I got a couple comments where people were like, well, if you if it was really was your passion, you wouldn't find it difficult to draw every day. Or I do this really easily and I've drawn every day for the past few years. And while I think it's wonderful if anyone can actually do that, I don't think it's a requirement either. There should be no guilt associated with not being able to draw every day. Drawing is incredibly draining. It's a difficult thing to do. It's uh, While it is something that most of us who partake in it enjoy, I don't think we'd be doing it unless we did, you don't... It's not necessarily enough to enjoy something, um, to want to do it every day. It's not the only thing that's required. And I don't think it takes away your artist card if you can't draw every day. I had so much guilt associated most of my life with the fact that I didn't want to draw every day. And I saw so many artists who said that they could. And I was just like, maybe I'm not truly passionate about this. Maybe it's not something that I think I should be spending the rest of my life doing. But none of that's true. None, none of that, none of that is reality it's you don't for one you don't have to be extremely passionate about anything to want to do it whether as a job or just as a hobby it doesn't it's not a requirement you don't have to be passionate about something to want to do it uh, and to do it well or even you don't even have to do it well to want to do it. it you just need to want to do it that's it that's all there is and i wanted to get rid of that constant nagging guilt and i thought if i try and draw every day there is a point in the whole process if i keep at it for long enough where i'm gonna have to accept that i haven't been able to do a few days i'm gonna have to face those days i'm gonna have to accept they exist i'm gonna have to accept that they don't make me lesser they don't make me worse as an artist they don't they don't take away from everything i've achieved so far a couple days of me not drawing, a couple weeks of me not drawing don't mean that I'm, I haven't achieved everything I've achieved. They don't cancel out all my achievements. They don't cancel out all my previous efforts. They don't cancel out all the other works, all the other days of hard work I've done. It was more of a psychological exercise because I have a huge problem with guilt. Guilt is my number one issue in life um, for a lot of different reasons, trauma-related, all that. And this one exercise was to help me deal with that productivity guilt and the artist guilt and just face the fact that sometimes I can't draw sometimes I don't want to draw and it's fine other times I'm going to do really well and those times are really valuable and other times I'm not going to do very well and those times are also part of me are also part of my process are also bringing something to the table and are also valid and it really really helped me do that I feel so much better about drawing now than I used to. I've loosened up so much. I, I've, I've managed to start enjoying the process of drawing so much more than I used to. It doesn't feel as much like a chore as it used to. It doesn't feel as much like I'm trying to prove something anymore. Are you doing uh, it again in 2021? Mm -hmm. I'm doing it again. I took a long break during January. 
because I needed a few weeks where I didn't have to do it. And I've taken it up again and it's a thousand times easier than it was last year. It's just sort of ingrained in me a little bit more now. Now I look forward to actually drawing. I have less expectations and I, I feel much happier doodling. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's when I started the Doodle Diary in 2020 at the beginning, whenever I sat down to sketch, I always felt like I needed to come up with a new original idea, a new concept, something that was social media worthy, something that I would be proud of showing to other people. And that was another objective of that daily Doodle Diary was to let go of that. Just because if I have to draw every day for a year, you can't come up with a new idea every day. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. You have to be happy with just having doodles that mean nothing, that don't look good, that are just there. And it, it helped me with that too. It helped me with uh, reconnecting with just the, the actual action of drawing something without the need for it to be perfect and original by the end. Um, what I think is really interesting is, you know, we connected with, uh, you know, back in September of 19, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, around Inktober. Yeah. And, you know, the pressure and, and the stress and, and everything around that. And I just think it's so interesting that you're like, you know what, Inktober is too stressful drawing something <laughs> every day for a month. I'm going to do it for a year. <laughs> That's part of it too. I contrasted the two because doing Inktober, I've always burnt myself out big time doing Inktober because mm. I set myself a standard when I did it in 2017 and it went really well. I've tried replicating that the next few years. I think I was trying to live up to myself um, at that point. And so every time in order to do so, I needed to go bigger, go more ambitious, create pieces that were fully finished every single day, new concept every single day. That's that's burnout material. That's, that was not healthy. It's fine for 30 days, but the mentality I had around it was not very healthy. I was trying too hard to create completed pieces of work that I was happy with every single day. And that's not possible in the long term. There is, t- There are just days where it's not going to work. There are days where you're not going to have the energy, days when you're not going to know how to draw anymore for some reason. There's days where you're just not going to be happy with what you've created. And Inktober, because it's a shorter span of time, doesn't reflect that sort of thing as much because... Um, you can keep going that hard for 30 days. But you can't keep going that hard for a year. Otherwise, you're going to work yourself into the ground in a way that it will be thoroughly unhealthy. And, and so I wasn't... And I, 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 in my head, they weren't the same thing. I, I could go that hard for 30 days because at least there was an end in sight. Whereas that challenge of drawing every day for a year... I had to relax. I had to thoroughly examine my perspective and um, my philosophy towards my own work, my uh, relationship with my own process. I had to really examine it. And in order to to uh, survive the distance, I had to build a better relationship with myself and my expectations and my process. And that's what the exercise was about. It wasn't about the satisfaction of having it finished by the end of the year and having this hefty little sketchbook that I could look back on and go, I'm a real artist now because I've managed every single day. It wasn't about that. It was it was about building a healthier relationship with my work, being okay with my failings, being okay with my limits, being okay with all the things that I had so much guilt associated with. And I think that's, 
you know, to be honest, I've always struggled with these journals because I see so many artists talking about, you know, I've got this bookshelf behind me of all these oh, journals. Gosh. And and I feel like the stress because, well, you know, I, I, I always say I came to this late in life. So however you want to judge people doesn't apply to me because I started drawing when I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, I, I'm, I'm not playing by those rules. But I do feel bad that I don't have, you know, I have two um and and they're not really full because I tend to not do it on both sides of the page because I'm using pencil and I don't want it to push through and all that. Yeah. But I have two <laughs> and I always Fair. feel like, you know, everyone talks about their journals. There's the stress to say that, well, you know, I'm an artist because I have all these journals and I have all these unfinished pieces and and uh, I have this mass portfolio. But I, I think you can enjoy art and be a successful artist without having that. Yeah. Um you know, the, that, that library of content Absolutely. behind you, right? Some artists don't have sketchbooks. Some artists don't sketchbook at all. Some right. artists only sketchbook. The thing is, is, it goes back to what I was saying when you showed me that artist and you said she wasn't an artist. And like, I know you meant she wasn't like professionally doing this, but... And this was before we started recording. So. Oh, sorry. Yes. That, so that's okay. <laughs> we, were, we were talking <laughs> about other things. <laughs> it, it, it goes back to talking about... The concept of someone being an artist. Art, to me at least, for me, art is just what the person makes of it. it I know we compare, I think there is something a bit maybe linked to the fact that we're in a capitalist society, I'm not entirely sure, where we need this sort of baseline of productivity or baseline of quantity um, to, to feel like we check the box of what we want to call ourselves. But I don't think that's true of art. Art, it's just going to take a different form for every single individual. And the only way you can know whether you're doing it right is if it feels right to you, truly just to you. It's so easy to, and I think social media definitely to blame here, it's so easy to think that what we want for ourselves is what we see other people do. But a lot of the time... It will be just because we see them getting the recognition for those things and we want that same recognition for those same things. Right. But it's really important to do the work on ourselves to realize what really truly brings us, just us, fulfillment, regardless of whether it brings us recognition from others. And artism is a journey into that. It's a journey into understanding exactly what makes us fulfilled and us happy with ourselves. And independently from what the rest of the world is telling us um and it's difficult especially because we see so many other people doing beautiful things exciting things all all these different lists of things all these different sketchbooks on their shelves and we want that but art will take a different shape for us that's it and it doesn't make it in less valid or less valuable or less beautiful or less us it's just it's a journey of exploration of what art means to us to create and not, it doesn't matter what others do. Right. Really. And we may end up in a different spot in five years or 10 yeah, years or 15 exactly. years doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. And and when I look at your, your doodle journal, are you, are you sketching in pencil? Like do you have a, a set kind of, cause you, it's full of color. It obviously. is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very surprising to me. <laughs> So are you doing that with, with marker, or with colored pencil, or paint? or? Uh... Uh, well, the first one in 2020, I started off in pencil because that was my comfort zone. And then slowly as I got more comfortable, I started using um, literally just the cheapest felt pens I could find on Amazon. 
and a lot of people ask me what felt pens I'm using and I actually just found a set uh, like the cheapest brush I could find and just use that. Uh, so now I mostly work in uh, felt pens and highlighters. The thing is, this is accessible. You don't have to buy Posca oh, no. markers or you know <laughs> these expensive markers anywhere, no. and and you don't have to be good at drawing because I no. know there's some people who are really good at painting, or or just scared of drawing for whatever reason. Yeah, they don't want to do it or they feel they're not good at it. But mm-hmm. you don't have to share this with anyone. No, no, and I I didn't intend to initially and then i started sharing it with my patrons and they really liked it and so i kept sharing it with them because it was still fairly private and then once i had the final finished item i was like oh that made make a cool video so i made a video out of it but i didn't go into it wanting to share it because i needed actually something that i knew i wasn't i wasn't going to share um because i share so much of the rest of what i do either on patreon or youtube or any other social media i have most of what i create needs to go somewhere because it's my job so I needed something that would feel in, entirely private, just for the fun of it, where I didn't feel like I needed to create something good. Right. And uh, I don't know, there's, we have a bit of a culture of oversharing nowadays, and I think that's particularly true on TikTok for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of very intimate stories that come across my For You page are mind-boggling to me, because I, I don't know, it's so strange now. So sharing such intimate things with so many people that we don't know. And um, yeah, I find it really odd because I've been so nervous about monetizing my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently opened up my shop. <gasps> you did? <and> yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. You have to link, give me the link and I'll share it. I will send it to you. I just opened it up because I was always nervous about monetizing my art. And it seems people are quite anxious about monetizing yes. their personal bits <laughs> yeah. the, on, uh, on places like TikTok and uh I don't know if it's a generational thing or just uh, people see <laughs> value. I, I don't understand. but uh, I think we're, we're in a society that monetizes everything now. Yeah, true enough. Um, there's a sort of philosophy that as soon as you're vaguely good at something, you should monetize it, which I don't think is particularly healthy, frankly. Right. I think we should be allowed to just feel like we can create things without either displaying it to anyone else or monetizing them. It doesn't add value to them to show them to the rest of the world or or monetize them and it doesn't take away value from them if we don't do either of those things it's they're allowed to exist just because they exist for you um exactly you don't have to sell your work to be an artist no and so yeah absolutely but you can also do so and still be an artist you know because i've seen that talk too i've seen it the other way around where um when i first started there was some discussions from various artists who were like you shouldn't you shouldn't sell lots of different derivative products of your work because it cheapens it. And it, it was a it was a worry for me in the beginning. And then after a while, I was just like, no, <laughs> stop it. Stop telling <laughs> right. me what I should do with what I've created. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. And if it helps me create more of it, then I'm sorry, but that's going to be great for me. I don't know who, why there should be rules around things like this. It's the same for the bodies of people. It's the same. Why should it cheapen someone's body that they want to share it with strangers? No, it's theirs. Let them do what they feel free to do with their thing, so long as it brings them happiness. Right. And And I think you bring up a good point, because I had Jake Parker on the the podcast a a few episodes ago. Oh, fantastic. And one of his points was he creates work with the intent that it has multiple lives. Yes. And you do the same thing. 
yes. in you know your Patreon and, and the stickers that you make uh, around your pieces and all of that. And I just think that's brilliant. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I agree. It's our work. Yes. We get to give it the life that we want it to have. Exactly. You know? Now, can I ask you, how many, how much time do you spend on each of these doodles? Like, does this occupy your day, or are you spending a short oh, amount gosh, of time? Oh, gosh, no. I, that was one of the main things I restricted myself on when I first started, was like, I can't spend more than, like, half an hour. And now, at this point in time, it's probably 10 minutes on each drawing, if, less, if, if that, you know, my, 10 minutes maximum, probably. Now, are you doing this for practice, or are you doing this, now, now I hope you'll appreciate the pun in this, but are you... <laughs> Fleshing out ideas. <laughs> nice. Based on the kind of work that you do. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I don't do it for practice at all. I do it just for the enjoyment. So if I have an idea in my head, I'll doodle it out in it. If I don't have any ideas at all, I'll pick an image I like on Pinterest and copy it. If uh, I, I'll do studies in... Like you, you mentioned that there was color and a lot in my doodle diary, and uh, you may not have noticed that I don't tend to use bright colors in my actual work mm-hmm. because I'm not, I don't particularly like bright colors um, in my paintings. It's not something I'm attracted to in my final works. But the doodle diary is the perfect place for me to explore that thing because I don't particularly feel like I want it in my body of work. Right. But I still find it fun, so I'll do it in my doodle diary because that's where I'm having fun. I I I don't try to learn when I do my daily doodles. I genuinely try just try to connect with the pleasure of drawing, basically. And and I'll provide links to to your 2020 doodle diary, mm-hmm. and uh, people can get a look at that. Yes, yeah. it's, uh, it's it's quite brilliant. I think. Oh, thank you. I want to do more of this kind of stuff, but uh, I think in some ways I need to take a diary, a journal, and throw some tools that I have at it that I don't use for anything else and just throw something down. And yeah. maybe, maybe because right now I, I'm always thinking, now that I have my shop open, oh, is this something I'm going to sell prints yes. for? <laughs> or is this something for me? Yes. And I'm not doing enough stuff for me. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what conundrum I had too. So I wanted to go, before we get into the social media thing, because I think that's going to be fun, <laughs> I wanted to talk about a couple of your pieces, because I think that'll lead us into the social media bit. But, um, you know, when I look at, and I'll provide a link to it, there's a, there's a piece you have called Shelter. Mm-hmm. And I can best describe it as, as a person sitting in a pond with lily pads, mm-hmm. but there's no skeleton that we see. It's really <laughs> just a skin jacket with the head kind of floating <laughs> yeah. inside um, at kind of waist level where the water reaches. Yeah, so and it's a person, but they're hollowed out. Like they're not exactly. dead or, or floppy or anything. There's just a person without anything inside of them. Yeah, and it's not like it's not gory. Like that's the no. thing I think people look at your work and it's like, oh, it's creepy. It's not gory. It's not like there's, in this particular case, there's not, you know, injuries or blood or anything. But when I looked at it, Having been through the pandemic to this point, it really hit me hard. Like mm, to, to it see hit a this, lot of people that one. It uh, it's just it's brilliant um, Thank because you. you do get the sense that you know no, you've got to protect yourself because this rain isn't stopping. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the, this this isn't going to stop, and you need to keep your head above water. You need to protect yourself. Um, but you know maybe the water is rising, mm-hmm. but 
you know, we we just need to to, to stay covered and take care of ourselves. And I just I, I look at it and um, and this I haven't I hadn't even noticed it in your feed because I have followed so many things at this point. But I was doing research on the show and I look back and it was like. Whoa. <laughs> so I'm going to link directly to it because people need to look at this and just, and that's why I said earlier, in looking at your work, it's not, don't try to necessarily understand what you were thinking. No. And, and I think we all need to look at art that way a bit more. It's not so much that we're trying to, oh, are, are you okay? Because it's, I think you are okay. I think you're mm-hmm. probably in better shape than most because you're <laughs> you're you're putting this down in a way that we can consume it and understand it in 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 you know in trying to grasp how this is impacting us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it really helps to write things down. Right, oh, if gosh, something's yes. bothering you, to write it down or to talk about it. And sometimes it's it's helpful to look at something and take yourself through that journey. And I, I just I wanted to call this one out first because. I don't know if you, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Because I don't know if I've said sure. too much at this point, but no, I just no. wanted to share the impact that it had on me and this kind of, um, especially 2020 and, and up mm-hmm. into this point, the way it's been with uh, with the pandemic. It's it's just a wonderful piece. Thank you very much. I, I Yeah, it, it hit a chord with so many people and me also. Like I, I finished it and I looked at it and I was like... Gosh, <laughs> I didn't realize how much of it I was expressing in it. And that's often the case with my pieces because so much thought goes into the composition and colors and very technical things about my pieces. And I, I want the composition to work and all that. And then it, it takes me finishing the piece and taking a step back to really understand the scale of what I was trying to express in myself. And you said it's we it's important to write things down and talk about things and I think it that's incredibly true and I fully agree with that. And I think that art brings another yet layer on top of that. We are really, really complex creatures. There's a reason that there's a lot of our own psychology that we still don't understand. There's a reason why um, most of us need to go for therapy for most of our lives, why we are so affected by so many things on so many different levels. We are very sensitive creatures, very complex creatures. We don't fully understand our own consciousness and how we function inside our minds. And so I think it makes sense that a lot of what we live through and what we experience needs to be expressed in a lot of different manners because all these different ways to express things will hit different chords in us. And I write and I create art and those things complement each other and I discover more about myself the more of those two things I do together. And this piece was really a, it was expressing lots of things that I didn't realize I needed to express. A lot of people like to ask me, what was my intention with this symbolism in a piece? They asked me to explain the painting. And I think it probably is frustrating to a lot of people because I tend to reply, I can't tell you what this piece means because if I was able to tell you, then I would have written it down. And I painted this because there is no other way for me to express what I'm trying to show. And uh, there were, and also I wasn't conscious of what I was trying to express when I created the piece. Things came out of me that I needed to express that I didn't even realize I needed to express until the piece was finished. And even now, weeks and weeks and weeks later, I still look at the piece and go, "Oh gosh, 
this is another thing I wanted to see in this and I find more layers and more ways and then I change over time I look back at pieces of painting years ago and I look at them and I remember what they meant to me at the time and what I wanted to express at the time and now they'll mean something completely different to me and so that's why I don't explain my work in depth because the meaning of any one piece I create will change over time at the same rate I change. It will it will change as I discover more about myself. It will change um, as I need to find different meanings into it. Shata was just like the epitome of 2020 for me. I felt so exhausted and so sad in sort of existential level. It wasn't a sadness like a concrete sadness linked to something specific like a, the death of someone or the grief or anything like that it was sort of pain at how much pain was just going on everywhere and at how as a human things were so difficult right now because we were faced with so much of our own pain and suffering and mortality our helplessness in helping others feel better it was relentless the whole year nothing felt like it was getting better everything just felt darker and darker and heavier and heavier but at the same time there were so many things that were beautiful too, which is why in most of my pieces, even if they're dark, I'll try and include some spots of brightness. So in that one, it's um, the title for one and the the flowers on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want my pieces to just be heavy darkness and hopelessness. There are about the darker elements of life, but nothing is ever just dark. Everything has a lot of different layers and a lot of different um, aspects to it. And there's always sort of some element of lightness and and hope in every situation. And so I wanted this piece to sort of reflect that sort of relentlessness of the past year, but also the bright points of people being incredibly kind to each other, people creating beautiful pieces of work, people having created communities, people uh, just... Even just when I when the first lockdown started, I went down to talk to my elderly neighbours downstairs and asked them if they would like me to pick up their groceries for them or if anything they needed. They didn't meet, didn't need me to because their son was doing it for them. But they were really thankful for it. And ever since then, we've strike we've striked up a relationship, and they're really lovely neighbours. And just that, a simple thing like that would not have happened without the pandemic and while i don't think the pandemic was a good thing (laughs) by any means i think there were a lot of things that were highlighted that were absolutely blindingly beautiful and uh and that's exactly what life is like this this sort of relationship between incredible painfully beautiful things and painfully dark things and i constantly struggle with that feeling in life and that's sort of a recurring theme in this type of work i create yeah i think it's um you know, we do need that contrast. And in some ways, for some people, you know, th- this pandemic is something, I don't want to say it's something that we needed, but it, it is, you know, f- for some people, I think it's put a stop on what they were doing previously and, and caused us to kind of reflect and readjust. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we never needed this, but I, I think th- to find that opportunity, you know, amongst all the pain and the loss, I think it's been, uh, it's it's hard, but we all need to do that in in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I agree. And I think like when even when I look at your your piece tether, yeah, <laughs> that you did as well, um, which is you know an individual. And once again, it's 
you're not necessarily associating gender with a lot of these images, but um, this individual's looking at a window and there's a series of strings. Yeah, they're little chains, I think. Yeah, golden yeah. chains. Golden chains that are um, being pulled by these birds. And um, even that spoke to me. And it was funny because you do do a post where you compare your work to 2016, which I think is um, <laughs> it's kind of cool. That was a, I can say, more positive image. Maybe that's the wrong. I know what you mean. It's it's lighter. It is lighter. It feels like nature glance. is reaching in and, and pulling you out to see the sun, right? Like yeah. it's And, and um, I thought that was a brilliant piece as well. Thank the, you. The other one that I thought, and I wanted to ask you about this because you do two, you do kind of two of them. There's with the the the, um, the snake that's coming out of the person's mouth and oh, bites yeah, them gosh. in the neck. That one was uh, controversial. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so... Like when I first saw that, my immediate thought was, you know, that story of the of of the scorpion that rides the turtle, I think, across no. the river. There's this, and I'm going to get this wrong, but it, it kind of <laughs> goes where there's this turtle goes to cross the river, and the scorpion's like, "Can you give me a ride?" And the turtle's like, "Well, uh, you're you're going to bite me and kill me." I think <laughs> it's a turtle, and the, the scorpion's like, "No, no, no, I I, I won't do that. Just hop on my back." Or, or you know, I, I want to hop on your back. I'll go over. I won't kill you. And the turtle's like, okay. And they get halfway across and the turtle ends up, or the scorpion ends up biting or oh. killing the turtle. And the scorpion's like, I'm sorry, it's just in my nature. Oh, um, gosh. And so, and, and I probably butchered that and got it wrong. But no, but I, I get what you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole sense that it's just in my nature. And mm -hmm. I just, when I see this and the fact that um, the snake is, is, in some ways, coming out and, and consuming the host, mm -hmm. uh, I just, I think it's great. I think it's, <laughs> it, it once again speaks to me again, where it's not like creepy or, or gory, but it was, it, when you start to look for the messages that are your messages, mm. not necessarily the creators, uh, these are really powerful images. And I think uh, it's it's another piece that I will link to, but... Um, that one was, was a strange one it got such a mix of reactions it had incredibly strong reactions from people who loved it it made its way on someone else who someone used my picture to promote their own work and uh without without asking me and there was a whole back and forth and stuff where I had to ask them to not do that please and they posted it on their own social media and a few people commented on it and some people thought it um promoted violence against women which was very strange to me. I didn't quite fully understand where that came from because mm. it really doesn't. <laughs> right. At least I don't intend it to. But I think there is something about that image that is probably a little bit more violent than other pieces I may create because it's slightly less surrealistic. A lot of the pieces I create where my characters are hollow are clearly surrealistic because someone would not be alive if they were hollowed out. Right. But in that piece, I think there is something uh, probably a little bit more visceral because there is a tiny trickle of blood on the neck and it's a close-up of someone's expression and my character's probably a little bit more gendered than, it, than my characters usually are and a lot of different elements that are a little bit different to what I usually create. And so it got some strong reactions. And even me, I... I I love that piece, but I'm not entirely sure what I was trying to express with it. There's something that, I don't know, 
I, I love that piece because it makes me slightly uncomfortable about myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think that's part of the point. It was about exploring stuff that I, I, I don't know, probably made me a bit uncomfortable. Some stuff that I wasn't expressing that was that felt like it was stuck inside me and biting me in the neck as a result. It's very about it's it's, it's very clearly about communication and expression in ways that I think I haven't quite fully explored yet either. Yeah, and and your use of a bright color there is Gosh, yeah, typical, right? So, yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I had a space uh, amount of time where I explored gold because um, it's quite striking as a color. And it's very symbolic. I know lots of people use it for its strong symbolism. And uh, it was actually my boyfriend's suggestion that I make the snake gold. And he, he had, it was a great idea. I think it clicked immediately as soon as he offered it up. I was like, yeah, that's how it's going to look. It worked perfectly for it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it is great. I mean, and for some, someone who's listening right now, they may be driving or commuting or whatever. And they're like, I don't want to see people hollowed out. It's not, it's not. That's true. <laughs> it's, it is people hollowed out, but it's it's more that it's um, as if you laid kind of some type of vinyl mask on somebody or or uh, made a mold of somebody's skin. Like it's not. It's entirely like, symbolic. Like none of my right. work is supposed to be taken literally visually. It's all about the symbolism. Like the the humans I paint in my image in my pictures are not supposed to be flesh and blood humans. They are a representation of our psyche of our inside worlds, of our minds, of our psychology. None of the humans I draw are supposed to be flesh and blood people. They're all supposed to just be representations of what goes on in our heads. So it's not about physical violence. It never is about physical violence. It's all about our psychological workings, our emotions, our different challenges in life. And I think, like, don't be afraid to look at these. <laughs> no, please don't be. I don't want anyone to be afraid. <laughs> so can I ask you, like you were implying it there with the snake, what is the most, what's the piece that bothers you the most now? Of all the things I've created? Yeah. And maybe why it bothers you, because I think it, if it bothers you because it's disturbing, or maybe it bothers you because you don't know where it came from. But maybe I think it's can... more that, yeah. it's. Um, I have two pieces which are two of my favorite that I've created, but also two of the ones I think, actually, no, Ouroboros, which is the one we just talked about with the gold snake, disturbs me not in a dark way. I'm just puzzled. I look at it and I'm puzzled by what I was trying to express in myself. Uh, a lot of time when I create a piece and I finish it, it sort of slots somewhere inside me and makes sense. This one didn't quite do that as well as some of my other pieces do. It still puzzles me. I still look at it and wonder what inside of me pushed me to create it. It's good, though, because it, it pushes me to ask myself questions. And it pushes me to be more introspective and reflect on myself, which I like. It's uncomfortable. I don't think it's something that's very easy to do for most of us. And so that's probably why that piece makes me very uncomfortable, because I look at it and I'm like, there's still stuff that I need to explore to understand why I create this, created this. Um, and I think probably the one piece that has bothered me the most throughout my whole pro practice is quite an old piece. It's from 2017, I think, or 2018. It's called Adoration. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's, uh, 
it was it's one of my favorite all-time pieces it's my one of my favorite personal paintings and probably one that was the least liked on social media like most people did not particularly like it because it's quite visceral it's a it's a human that is kissing a huge creature on the head and they are being impaled by the creature's horn there's no blood it's not gory oh yes i remember seeing that yeah it's Mm -hmm. that one makes me so sad it's it's a piece that i i don't again it's another one that i'm not entirely sure why i created it what pushed me to create it but it just echoes something inside me and i don't know exactly what it is and it makes me immeasurably sad existentially sad i love that piece so much (laughs) it's it's it connects with something in me that i don't it's still a little bit alien because I don't think I've opened those doors inside my myself yet, and I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by by the part of me that created it, and I find it very interesting. Are you um, going to be going back to that soon? That place in your head and your mind? Probably. I don't think I choose it. I think it comes out sometimes. Sometimes there's a need for me to express something that comes through that door. Um, I don't think it's conscious. I think probably it's linked to my trauma. It's probably linked to uh, all the dif- most difficult things I've lived through, which are not doors that are easy for us to open consciously. Uh, I think we avoid those sort of traumatic things as much as possible as a survival instinct, really, which makes sense. But every so often I feel the need to create something that echoes that sort of painful part of me. And uh, most often I'm not. It usually means that i create a piece that really i i personally really really love um and often more often than not it will mean that people around me the people i love around me and the people on social media probably will be a little bit puzzled and won't love it as much as i do but that usually tells me that that's where my most personal pieces come from because it has to be intensely personal for me to react so strongly to them and for no one else to uh, which makes sense, I think. It's awesome. <laughs> so this will lead us into um, into talking about social media, which I think I want to dive into next. And sure. that is, do you ever, you've got somewhere around 62,000 followers oh, or gosh, something yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> do you ever think about, uh, and I've asked other artists about this as well, do you ever think about, oh, I, you know, I lost 5,000 people um because yeah. of that thing i did and oh, maybe no. i shouldn't do it or whatever the case like d- does that ever impact you and in, in what you're doing and what you're thinking about doing no <laughs> good uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i never fully understand when people say oh i posted this and i lost that many followers because i don't understand how they know that that's what led them to lose followers i don't know i don't track it i don't um i lost a bunch of followers last year I don't know why. I think I usually lose followers anyway, but I tend to gain them quicker than I lose them, so I don't necessarily tend to notice that I lose them. But generally speaking, I can tell that if I created work because I was afraid to lose followers, I would make myself intensely miserable. Yes, it's scary. I don't want to lose followers. No one does. It's scary. It uh, it makes me feel like I'm failing as a business person, um, like I'm going to make my job more difficult. But ultimately, if I lose anyone, that there wouldn't have been the people who like my work. 
I need people who connect with my work and like it and want to support me. And even if that means that I lose followers to the point where I only have like 5,000, if those 5,000 are, are, are interested in what I create and want to see more and are actively engaged with what I create, then I want to be around those people. I want those people, those people are the people who are going to be valuable to me as an audience. And anyone I lose just wasn't meant to be with me in the first place. And that's fine. That's good. Uh, So no, I don't, I don't worry about whether I'm going to lose people. You are heavily kind of sharing on social media. So a lot of work on Instagram, uh, YouTube, you do these wonderful videos um, and sharing kind of your work and, and uh, being really kind of connecting, being open and connecting with your, uh, with your listeners and your followers. And then you did this thing on TikTok <laughs> <laughs> that kind of went crazy. And and maybe we could talk about TikTok a bit because I've sure. tried TikTok. And before we started recording, I was commenting that I felt like I shouldn't be there. Like I was too old for this <laughs> and it was inappropriate, the stuff I was seeing. And then I didn't realize until recently and I do it on YouTube, which is crazy. Where, you know, on YouTube, mm-hmm. on your main page, you can say, I'm not interested. I don't want to see this anymore. And it starts to cater your feed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that on TikTok. <laughs> so I was seeing stuff all the time. And it's like, oh, geez, I got to skip past this. I, I shouldn't be seeing this. I don't want to hear this. My kids are never having TikTok. And, <laughs> and then I realized, wait a sec, I could say not interested. And I did it seriously with like, I don't know, five or six of these videos and it's all of a sudden much better now Mm -hmm. but you were able to and i've seen some artists and i've had a couple of guests who are on tiktok and there's not a huge amount of artists but i think there are more than there was but you do you want to share what you did and how that blew up for you on tiktok Uh, i have no idea i don't know (laughs) i don't know Uh, (laughs) tiktok is an art of mystery to be (laughs) recipe (laughs) as to how you did this but Um, so you like th- what was so maybe we should ex- you can explain what the video was that you shared. Sure. On well, it, I mean, I need I do need to make a disclaimer that I didn't go viral. It <laughs> it, it blew up for my scale of blowing right. up. Like right. I I was I've barely been on TikTok. I started it last September, I think, and I've got like ten videos or something, maybe a bit more. Um, because there's a lot of work. It's videos, so mm-hmm. it's not like Instagram where it's just a picture. It's it, there's a lot of more work that needs to go into even 15 second videos. But I I I was getting like between 500 maybe 1,000 likes on my videos, which was fine by me. I wasn't very I was very new on TikTok. Didn't didn't like I don't expect myself to grow fast. And then I did one video using a silly little sort of learning song where they talk about the months of the year. And I overlaid the sound on top of images of pictures I created during each month of the year in 2020. So I, it was like 12 images I created during 2020. And I think, I think the reason it blew up is because the first shot of that video is art, some art I created in 2020, and then in brackets, warning, my art is dark and weird. And I think that probably hooked people into things because right. I think people, when they hear dark and weird, they're like, oh, let's check this out and have a chuckle. And I think lots of people were not expecting what they saw. And so it grabbed them to watch the rest of the video and then they enjoyed the rest of the content of the pictures that they saw and liked my content. And it got like 100,000, 130,000 views or something, which is 
which was crazy for me on on TikTok and it got like thousands of comments. I got like about 20 shop orders from that within the day and people were amazing, so kind, so lovely. I was entirely expecting to get hate comments because I almost always get some weird comments where my work, like I said, reaches new audiences, which is fine, but I, I expect them by now, but I didn't get any. It was all just really, really lovely people. <laughs> It was overwhelming. I don't understand how anyone, any human, manages to deal with getting millions of views or going viral. I genuinely, no offence to anyone, but I don't think it's healthy. I don't don't think our brains are equipped for that amount of attention. At least my, my brain most definitely isn't. Like... I, I, I don't know, it, it, it was, my YouTube videos of the day you do the diary got 250,000 views, that TikTok video within a few days got 130,000 views, and those two sort of happened at the same time, and my hermit brain sort of shut down for, for a couple of days, I just got me going just, I, I need to turn my phones off, because this is too much, this is terrifying, after a while I stopped tech checking notifications, because I was convinced that every single message I was getting was hate, uh, I don't know why I convinced myself of that, but I was convinced of it, and then my boyfriend checked it, he was like, no, they're all being very nice, you don't have to worry, it was, it was overwhelming, it was lovely, it was so many nice people being unbearably nice, just, I don't know what I've ever done to deserve people being so nice to me. I'm constantly blown away by the fact that everyone is so kind. I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words, just how grateful I am for the insane amount of lovely people that find my work and decide to support me and even just write a nice comment. So that TikTok video was very out of left field and only good things happened from it. But it was it was overwhelming at the time, and TikTok's like that. I think I think that's uh, one of the weird things about the platform is that you can blow up and not be exactly sure what you did that made that happen. In a way, that's not really true of other platforms. It, it it's a very strange platform. <laughs> it is. Are you do you feel compelled to to go back there and post yes. more? Yeah. So I've I try to keep an eye on what how platforms are doing. Um, I think it's smart business-wise, given that so much of my business is reliant on social media. So I hear more and more criticism of Instagram. They've implemented a lot of changes that make it incredibly difficult to grow. I do not have the energy to keep up with Instagram as much as it requires you to if you want to keep growing well. And it's sort of depressing. I will keep Instagram because I've got a lovely audience on there and I do enjoy it. But I know that my engagement is going to suffer because I cannot possibly keep up with what they require. And TikTok is, let's face it, it's up and coming. It's the platform everyone is on. It's the platform every the next generation is on. It's um, it's all the rage. Like I avoided it for the longest time. I I will have to admit that I probably did give in to some of the prejudice against it. Um, it did feel like it was one of uh, like a, just a silly platform where like lots so many people made fun of TikTok for a long time, and it was sort of a chuckle for most of us. Right. And uh, we, the older we are, the more we thought like it's really not for us because it's all just young people having fun, and we're not part of this. <laughs> and I don't think that was. Uh, um, quite accurate i think it's diversified and there's a lot of different content creators on there there's a lot of very 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 good content on tiktok i thoroughly enjoy 
the the content I I get exposed to at least because I'm I mean like a nice nice part of it I think I've tailored it for it. I was always a bit worried about it because I was thinking I I can't dance to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I can't I, dance to save my life. <laughs> right, I can't, I can't do the dances, so I don't know if I should be here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but there's some people doing some really interesting stuff without uh, an audio clip um, and sharing work. And I'm thinking about, you know, sharing a few things on there, but I, I don't know how to do it yet. But I think it's it a learning just, curve. Yeah, it's it is. understanding what type of content works on TikTok really takes a lot of experimenting. I do find that to be the most challenging thing with TikTok. It's understanding, especially for people like us, our content is very visual. Uh, we don't just talk, not just because it's a lot of work anyway, but we don't talk to a camera to expose a topic. We have to sort of tailor our content around the visuals that we want to show. And if you're also doing a lot of other work, it's difficult to find the time and format that is ideal for TikTok. It takes a lot of experimenting to understand what kind of stuff works on there, and I still don't really know myself. Um, and that's a lot of work in itself. It's a platform that takes a lot more work than other platforms, I think. Do you feel, because you've had a YouTube channel for how long? Like you've had Oh, 2016. While, right? Yeah. So do you think, like for someone like you going to TikTok and making a 15 second video, you've got those editing skills and capabilities that yeah, that was technologically. So. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody think so. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you got to fit 10 minutes into 15 seconds. Oh, God. Plus, I mean, you'll have ample proof of this by now, but I ramble. I talk on and on and I go on tangents and I find it very difficult to stick to the topic. So 15 seconds, are you kidding? Good Lord. That's, that, that's genuinely a skill. That is something that I admire so many really good TikTok content creators for. Mm -hmm. The ability to create a peppy well-edited, uh, dynamic 15-second videos. Well, it's 15 to 60, so, you know, maximum yes, right. one-minute video. That's insane. That's that's a skill. Like, to be able to create... And I've seen... I think it's easier to go from YouTube to TikTok because you do have some basics, um, some basic knowledge of how to make a video uh, rhythmically entertaining um, and how to condense what you're talking about and how to film things and how to edit. So yes, I do definitely think that being on YouTube helped. I think the other way around this has been more difficult. So I've seen some content creators on TikTok going onto YouTube and that becomes instantly more difficult because you have to fill in so much more time. Videos are not 15 seconds. So you have to, even if you're extending your content to five minutes, that's four more minutes than you were used to to create content for. So that can be quite difficult that way around. But yeah, I do think being on YouTube helped. Uh, I, but there's also just the massive challenge of how little time you have, which is, which is just difficult when you're used to being able to talk about what you want to talk about for longer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm impressed with what you did because I, I watch the videos and I'm thinking, oh, can I use that song for something I do? Right. Yes, same. And I, it it never occurs to me. And I saw yours, and I'm thinking, oh, what a brilliant idea! You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't take credit for it. I, I think I saw other people do it. Um, 
a while back and I was like, okay, I remember that, I'll save the sound and I'm sure I can do something with that later. So I tend to just save lots of sounds. I keep lots of videos in my favorites so that I can have inspiration of the type of thing I could do. And I've decided that I was going to batch create. So earlier in the month, I started doing like lots of videos so that I can start uploading them more regularly. Nice. Uh, because otherwise if I have to come up with an idea every single day I decide to upload then it takes me even longer to do um, well then you're not doodling in your book yeah <laughs> exactly it takes away from everything else uh, <laughs> I think TikTok is important though I think it's it's an up and coming platform that has become incredibly influential um, its influence cannot be understated it definitely has a rippling effect in a lot of different industries it's, it, it's very influential on the music industry for example and I, the artists and small businesses I know who do well on TikTok do extremely well. It's a, it's an audience that just is willing to spend money and time on their creators that they like, and I think that's extremely, extremely valuable and very. And I try to keep an eye out for those kinds of things because as a business that relies on technology and uh, and things that are trending, I I like to try and stay aware of what platforms are the best to be on it's a lot of energy <laughs> uh, but i think it's just i i need to stay on top of it if i want my job to have a sort of longevity to it do you have a newsletter or mailing list that you maintain? i do yeah i do yeah. on my website i very rarely send it out um it's about two every every two or three months i send out a newsletter but i do now yeah do you feel that because I know when I've had others on, you know, everyone has this nervousness around, you know, social media platforms. And I agree that your comment about Instagram making really hard with the algorithm, I had heard that as well. Mm. You know, that they want people using reels, you know, so yeah. they expect you to use reels, what, two or three times a week. Oh, and now they it. don't want you to recycle your TikToks either. Right. Because they're looking for that TikTok like, mark. And, oh, yeah. God. And so do you. Do you try and funnel people at all to your newsletter? Because ultimately, a bit. yeah, because mm. I, I think that's what we have to be careful of too, right? With with all of, I mean, you've got so many followers everywhere that if you know Instagram goes away or YouTube, well, I mean, not YouTube, Ooh, but, but if Instagram yeah. were to change or something were to happen there, I well, you, yeah, that's why I try to is easy to spread yourself too thin because you want to make sure you don't you don't suffer if any one platform goes down and at the same time it's very easy to spread yourself too thin and not actually create very good content for the platforms you're on because you've got too many platforms to keep up with so i try to keep a good balance between being on enough platforms that if one goes down i'm not left um you know um in the middle of nowhere and also try not to spread myself too thin I, I do think now I'm in a position where I'd be okay if I stopped growing on Instagram or if Instagram went down. I think I'd be in trouble if YouTube did. I had some trouble earlier this year that uh, and that threatened my channel and I had a oh. unpleasant face-to-face uh, -face with the reality of what that would mean for my chat, for my business, and I think I would probably suffer quite a bit if my YouTube channel went down. But yeah, I think I'm I'm growing enough of a... I think that's partly why I put newsletters together too, is that so the people who really are very interested in my work can have a place where they can keep up with me from directly me without me relying on something else. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's why I had started capturing, or not capturing, but that's why I started asking people to become part of my newsletter and receiving yeah. it was because oh, I wanted to be able to maintain... 
or curate a community that's interested in what I'm doing with the podcast and my art. And um, I released my first, so I've, I've had this maybe a year that I've been, you know, saying subscribe to my newsletter, but my first newsletter was actually, I released in uh, the end, of, at the end of January. Oh, wow. Nice. That was really scary for me to release it. And I sufficiently lumped enough errors in my grammar <laughs> that I have room for it to improve. So, <laughs> so sufficiently adjusted the bar so that the next one will be so much better. Yeah, um, I mean, the first one is always still yes. experimental. <laughs> well, it's, it's, exactly. It's hard sorting out kind of the sections. And it really all that kind is. Of stuff. And what you say yeah. to it. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think if I didn't have the podcast, I would have less to talk about, but I, I do include the last two episodes. Uh, oh, nice. In, in there as a, I've kind got of a commentary here. as well. I'll yeah. subscribe as soon as we're done, because otherwise you're going to hear my very loud keyboard. <laughs> and I will subscribe to yours because I, I don't think I have. Um, oh, thank but you. Uh, I just rely on YouTube and Instagram. I wanted to ask you about your YouTube because you are prolific in, in what you've posted, what you share. How much time is that for you? And do you feel it's it's heavy on on your creative process? Or do you think yeah. it, it helps to, um, to, to, to satisfy it or to document it? Um, I love making YouTube videos. Um, they are... I changed my the way I was making them back uh, last summer. Uh, I used to upload, I used to try and upload every week, every couple of weeks. And then I was starting to feel like I was creating content just to create content rather than because I created stuff I enjoyed and was proud of. So I decided to reshuffle and reprioritize. And now I upload about once a month, but my videos are much better put together and longer. And I show a lot more of my process. I talk through my process in a lot more detail. Instead of showing one time lapse of one painting in each video, I now show several paintings with different types of editing for each. They're not just time lapses. Um, so my videos are now more extensive, take me a lot of time. Usually a video will take me, I'll film a video about for about one month and then it'll take me about a week to edit it. Uh, so it's a lot of work. It's a heavy workload doing YouTube. I'm not going to lie. But it's one of the most valuable platforms I'm on. I've got an extremely loyal following on it. Uh, really, really lovely people. And every time I post on YouTube, I gain new patrons. I have shop sales. I gain new followers on my social media accounts. It's just a super valuable platform. I've had trouble with my growth I I hit 100,000 subscribers earlier in 2020 and that was wonderful but I my views don't reflect my amount of subscribers I don't I can't I, it's difficult for me to hit like 10,000 views per videos and it used to bring me down a lot but to be honest the audience that does watch my videos is so incredibly amazing so lovely and so engaged and so supportive and generous that I think it's it's just a platform that I value so much. I won't be letting go of it anytime soon because as much incredible massive work as it is, it's also probably one of the most worthwhile platforms I'm on. Do you ever consider doing either YouTube Live or Twitch or something like that? Yeah, well, I tried Twitch a few years ago. I have an account and I have a setup. Um, I need a new setup for cameras in order for that to work. And I need to find out a good schedule for it. But I'm thinking of doing YouTube Lives, yeah, because I don't upload as often videos as often. So I was thinking of supplementing that with a live a month or something. 
uh, so yeah, I'd definitely want to go live. I really enjoyed it when I did it on Twitch. So That's, that yeah. would be fun. I just um, I upgraded my desk setup um, today, actually. Oh, nice. And so before we uh, started recording, I was rushing because I just got the desk and I was like trying to set it up and <laughs> get the monitors and everything. But my intent as well, like I've done some Instagram lives, but I want to do some Twitch. Um, yeah. I already have the cameras and everything. And Amazing. Maybe... Oh, let me know when you do. I'd love to join a Twitch, a Twitch live. <laughs> It would be fun. I've also talked, th thought about this StreamYard tool, which allows you to kind of broadcast live with two people kind of thing. Oh, cool. Um, that could be kind of fun. Yeah. If, if for nothing else to, maybe not necessarily looking at the artist, but looking at the work to have two artists kind of chatting as you're... Uh, That'd be lovely, yeah. You, you can do that on Instagram, but I think the quality would be better. It's not great on Instagram, the quality, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah on and Twitch or something, it'd be cool. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I get that configured there, I may I may ask you. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, together. yeah. I love lives. I, don't, I I find them stressful because I'm a hermit again. I I find social interaction, even if it's just online, incredibly draining. It's got nothing mm -hmm. to do with the person. I think most people that I interact with are generally super lovely, and it's always nice to talk. But I I I'm one of those people that um my energy is drained by by other people so but i i don't know every time i was stressed about lives i did them and then it was so nice people are so lovely <laughs> it's just i don't know people are so lovely they are and and i would echo your comment about draining because i mean even doing this podcast i will Gosh, yeah. likely need a nap <laughs> i can absolutely <laughs> believe that i genuinely am impressed by how amazingly you're keeping up with your podcast because it's you're really lovely and it's super friendly and i really look forward to to recording because you you make you make me really comfortable and your questions are wonderful and stuff but i can imagine that it must be exhausting it must be so much work. It it is a lot of work, and even doing an Instagram live, like when I do that, when I'm finished, it's like, oh, I yeah. need to lie down. It's it, yeah, it's hard, and especially in Instagram where you're talking to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. interacting with chat and trying to be inclusive, and it's not always good about showing you who's still there. So oh. you know, because people will come in, but it doesn't necessarily like you think you only have X followers. But um, then all of a sudden, says, somebody says something that's like, "Wait a second! I didn't think you were still here." And so it's it, it, so it's very um, it's very odd. But uh, yeah, I, I I do want. I bought this desk and this monitor stand and the whole bit with the intent of doing more live stuff with LED lighting and mm -hmm. all of that stuff because I think it's fun. I, I want to be able to interact with people and and do interact with other artists, but also interact with followers. And so that's my yeah. Hope. There's something very. I, as an artist, I just find it really valuable for people to be able to see the person who creates. Like, I like seeing it from artists I, I personally love. I, I love seeing the human behind the art. It brings me closer to the art, makes me understand it better. And it's just personable. And also, something that I've never wanted to be is, I'd never, I've never wanted to feel unattainable. I, there's so many artists that I absolutely love, but because I've never seen them on social media or I've seen them in person. They are just this sort of personality on a pedestal because I admire their work so much. And so, so part of it seems mythical about them to me. And I don't want to be that because um, I'm not. I'm a human that makes mistakes and is silly. And I say st stupid things sometimes. I'm not always the smartest. I'm all, I make mistakes. I 
I struggle with my art. I do. Uh, I, I I have all the flaws that anyone else has, and I don't want anyone to look at my work and think that they can't do that, um, and or think that I've got it all figured out because I don't, and I don't think it would be healthy for anyone to think that I do. I want everyone to see me for just the steady person I am, and understand that they can reach whatever I've achieved. They can achieve too. Well, I think that's what's been great about you, Miriam. Is is Ever since we connected, you've always been approachable, accessible, you okay. respond. <laughs> and uh, I think that's great. I think that's what other artists, and I mean, I see it a lot with the podcast when I reach out to these artists where I see their work and I'm thinking, wow, you have probably a really interesting story to tell and I hear nothing. And I know they probably hear from a bunch of people for different reasons, mm. right? But I, I, I'm disappointed in some people in that they don't respond because uh, I never want to get to that point, right? No, I, I don't. One of the best stories I've heard about the podcast is somebody, I think they were 12, and they were, this is a review saying that the podcast has inspired them oh, and, wonderful. you know, to draw and, and to create to the point that they're considering starting their own podcast. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm thinking, you know what? Whoever you are, when you create it, I will be there. Yes. Like, we need to do this. Absolutely. And so. You know, I'm always trying to get artists that I think will help the person listening in their creative journey. So it could mm-hmm. be somebody like you who's been tremendously successful and has done massive work in, in YouTube and now TikTok <laughs> and has a really unique style and a really interesting story to tell. But then I, I really want to get on the artists that are uh, like my previous guests who who are just yes. really, you know, been doing it just for a few years now absolutely. because they have interesting stories to yeah, tell as well. Absolutely. Right? I completely and agree. It's it's hard. I mean, Jake Parker was great. Um, you know, James Gurney. Oh, <gasps> yeah, James has, Gurney. I can believe that. An absolute <laughs> fangirl moment. I love James Gurney so much. <laughs> I want to have him on, I think, again, uh, at some point in the future as well. Because it's, you know, he has decades of experience, oh. but he's been documenting it and sharing it with people, right? And he's so, I love his videos so much. Yes. He has got the silly side and he doesn't think yes. it takes himself seriously. And he shares so much of his knowledge. And he's so good. It's yeah. mind blowing. And yet he seems so, so like reachable, so approachable. And it's, it's great. I love it. Exactly. And, and he was, he was through the whole oh. uh, podcast experience. So I, uh, he's, I look up to him for so many reasons. Yes. But, um, and, and just to bring this back to you, I think the fact that you've been so approachable and accessible and I wanted to just touch on Patreon before we, I want to ask you about your process. Mm-hmm. How is that? I mean, as a matter of approachability, you know, setting up a Patreon, I have one for the podcast that I've you set do? up. You do? Yep. I do not know this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really pushed it a whole lot. Um, I don't sure. have many patrons, but uh, I do have a pe- uh, Patreon set up to, to kind of support the cost in running the podcast. And I look at you and the work that you're doing for your supporters. Oh, I found and it. it's amazing. Like you're doing stickers and you're doing, putting out all this work for them. And they get access to special uh, content. Is it a lot of work? (laughs) So much work. (laughs) I love my patrons with all my heart. I love them so much. But I am burning myself out. And I need to reshuffle things because um, it's too much work at the moment. Like, do you cut the stickers out by hand? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> on the list of bad decisions i've made in my life 
<laughs> that was one of my top questions for you, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> are you really? <laughs> People are so mind boggled by me doing that. They're like, why? Why did you do it by hand? It's because I can't afford not to. I can't, I can't, afford, I can't afford the cricket or whatever they are. They cut them by hand. I can't. And I can't afford to have, to order them from like a third party because otherwise I wouldn't be able to have the tiers as at the price they are at right. and stuff like that. So it's yeah, I cut them by hand. It's not too bad. It's it's actually all right at this point in time. I think if at the point I'm gonna put a limit on the number of patrons that can go to that sticker tier because otherwise there'll be a point where I'll just spend my entire life just going stickers. Um, but <laughs> it's a really popular tier, which is wonderful. I'm so glad people enjoy it. But the physical tears aren't the problem. Like the physical tears are fine. I think the, the some of the digital tears I offer, like the, the I offer a process PDF that describes in detail my process. Mm-hmm. That takes me a solid week to put together, and I've had a lot of trouble keeping up with that reward. And I don't think I'm going to be able to sustain it in the long term. The problem with my Patreon is that a lot of artists who have a Patreon will offer time lapses of their painting process and stuff which I already do for free on YouTube. So that's not content I can offer on Patreon. So I have to find alternatives to that. And so balancing that together, it makes it means that I'm just having to create a lot of work for myself. I need to rebalance things because my, my work takes longer and longer for me to create the more ambitious my paintings become. And I need to occasionally readjust for that and to re-examine how I offer rewards and stuff. But it's going well. Patreon. You know, any adjustment you would make because of the person you are and the way you speak to your patrons and your followers, I think people would understand if you decided to remove a tier or just... They do. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. I I can't put it into words just how amazing my patrons are. Like I I I don't know. I don't know how to thank them properly. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to send them a thing each, but if I could, I would send them a thing each because I don't know how to... That's one of the stresses, I think, for me, social media is because I'm mind-boggled by how kind and supportive and generous and and just incredible my audience is. And I don't know how to express it properly. I don't know how to show people just how thankful I am because right. I'm literally just a little human doing art. I'm not something special. And the fact that everyone loves my work and loves me so much is overwhelmingly amazing and I don't know how to probably express just how thankful I am for all of that so sometimes that's a bit stressful <laughs> yes it's it's it means so much more than a like on Instagram right the um, oh for sure yeah patrons. yeah patrons are I are, are, are the reason I can do what I do most of the money I earn comes from patreon and my patrons are insanely patient with me so kind so supportive so many of them are not even in it for the rewards so many of them are just there because they want to support me i don't know why i'm so shocked by this because i'm exactly the same with the people i love so many of the patrons i support i'm i don't ever really check what they post on patreon i just want them to get my money because i want them to create more of that be able to create more of what they want to create so i don't know why it it boggles my mind so much that people want to do that to me but it does. I'm blown away all the time by their kindness. It's just, I don't know. I'll <laughs> just ramble now. <laughs> no, it's. I I agree. I've I only have a few patrons, and they are incredible. Like I could not at this point. I could not do this podcast without their support. Um, they are yeah. so kind. They're, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, the money they're providing helps to cover the cost of the, of the podcast. But just 
having that bit of a community um, yes and and these these wonderful people i would i would echo that comment about patrons i mean these are these are wonderful people yeah. that support artists whether it's the podcast or whether it's your work or someone else's mm-hmm. um, being a patron is is such a it means the world to us as it creators. really does yeah. Like I do, I can't express just how much I appreciate them. Some some of my patrons have been with me since I set up a Patreon in twenty uh, eighteen, I think, at oh. the highest tiers. They've just been there since the beginning, That's and awesome. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I can hardly <laughs> believe it. It's amazing. I, yeah. That's people out there. It's just so much. My heart overflows. That they are people like that. It's. Yeah, I I think your mind can get a bit crazy when you think about the impact that you have in in what you draw and what you paint and what you say, um, and and that impact on other people. It's oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I had an amazing Instagram DM the other day by someone who works in a prison with people who have lived through extreme childhood trauma, and they showed them some of my work, and they got back to me saying that. One of their, um, one of their, not I don't think inmates was the term. It was something else. But one of them came back to them and just was really touched by my work and expressed how much they saw themselves in it and how important it felt to them. And it made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) It 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 just that's incredible. I don't know it. I create my work for me because I'm an artist and most of us create our works for ourselves, essentially. I mean, that's the primal motivation. But then when we feel that it can reach others in whatever way, even if it's just bringing fleeting joy, if it's something deeper, if it's something... So long as it reaches other people and every so often you get a story like that child that you said wanted to create a podcast or there is something that as a human who... Obviously, we are very social animals. We need that, though, that connection with other humans. There's something that sort of clicks into place. And I feel like everything I've done was worthwhile just for that one story. You know, Miriam, that for that one story, there's 10 that you're not hearing. And so I think <laughs> yeah. that's, that's incredible, right? Maybe let's move into your process now. Because you did a YouTube video around this, but I wanted to kind of, for those who are listening to this that are creatives and have paper and markers and pencils and paint and everything else. Are you still working from a pencil drawing to, um, to, to a few sketches to gouache? Like, so what is mm-hmm. your, what is your preferred kind of medium today? Um, so process, I, I, I tend to draw my concept sketches in pencil in my sketchbook. I'll do a lot of doodles. I'll, um, I'll do a lot of research on um, different poses. I'll take a lot of pictures of myself in different poses and use myself as reference to try on different compositions. I'll do a lot of um, pencil thumbnails. For bigger pieces, I'll do a lot of pencil thumbnails and then I'll choose a composition that I like, do a slightly bigger sketch in my sketchbook, refine the composition, and once I've got a rough outline of what I like, I'll scan it, put it in Photoshop, and then enlarge it and print it at the format that I want to paint it at. Then I'll transfer it with uh, graphite paper. Is that the name? Carbon paper. Onto my final paper. Usually I paint on watercolour paper. And nowadays I've actually stopped using gouache for those pieces and I use acrylics. Um, I started using acrylics. I use them in the same way I would use watercolour though. I use them in very 
watered down washes and my paintings look like they are uh, made in watercolor rather than acrylics, I think. So what made you switch from gouache to acrylics? Um, the size, for one, at which I wanted to paint. Uh, gouache is not ideal for huge formats. I think you, t- you mentioned tether and shelter earlier, mm. and uh, they're both quite big, particularly tether. Um, tether tether's huge, um, and it's probably like a meter across or something. And it gouache just, I don't know, it doesn't work as well when you want to do big washes. Um, it dries too quickly, and um, it also reactivates. And I realise that I like working in thin washes of colour at the moment. Uh, so acrylic just works better for that. I I like I I like that it doesn't reactivate. I like the different layers that kind of speak for each other. I like that sort of style at the moment. So I still use gouache in smaller pieces because it's quicker to whip out and work with than setting up my acrylics but for big pieces i find that acrylic is a little bit more a little bit easier and has it's more flexible really yeah i've ne- i've never tried acrylics i'm still uh, playing with gouache I, I just i keep going back to graphite i mean I pencil yeah is... fair enough you're very good at it now thank you, yeah, you <laughs> I've, been, I've been working uh, a little bit more at it so yeah, i enjoy it it's yeah really good it's been fun like so you didn't mention digital on any of that do you no do you do any? Have you thought of it? Is it teasing yeah. you, taunting you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. To, this is going to sound odd. I'm not very patient. I might seem like I am because sometimes my pieces might look like they have a lot of detail on them and they do take me a few days. But I do get quite impatient with stuff after a while. And and I don't like working on a screen too much. Yeah. Um, I I get very restless and sort of I don't know, I can't watch a screen for too long because otherwise I don't feel very well. So I used to toy with the idea of trying digital, but I just don't think I'd enjoy it as much. I love seeing it in other people, and every time I see a beautiful digital piece, I'm like, oh, I should try that again. And then I just realized that I don't, I don't know, I think as part of my process, it doesn't click with me very well, which, you know, is one of those things. Do you have many pieces that are unfinished? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> um, Do you have skeletons in your closet? Maybe once again, probably somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that wheel. <laughs> right, but I think yours are more probably skin. <laughs> you say that. You know, I used to be a prosthetic makeup artist, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have actual like fake skin everywhere. Really? I have a set of human teeth in ceramic. Uh, I have my teeth too somewhere, I, in I guess cast of my teeth. I've got lots of like real realistic fake skin. Um, <laughs> not to sound even creepier to the people right. listening to this podcast. Please don't be scared to watch my work; it's not that creepy. Um, I do. Do I have finished unfinished stuff? To be honest, I do. I I have pieces that I tried painting and they didn't work out. Mm. But I have no pieces that I've set aside with the intention to paint on them again. Any piece I've got set aside is either something that I've decided I wasn't interesting, interested in doing at all, or something that I wasn't happy of, of the state of and decided that I would try a different version again of it again later on. 
I was just going to ask you, because you were saying you were impatient, I was just wondering if that leads into a bunch of unfinished pieces. And I think it's okay to have unfinished pieces. I was just... I was just oh, curious. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I think it's perfectly fine to have unfinished pieces. I don't because I'm also um, a bit of an all-or-nothing type person, which is another thing that I'm trying to let go of with that daily doodle diary. I I tend to feel very unhappy and guilty if I don't work on the project until completion so i'll sometimes guilt trip myself into finishing something just because i need for it to be finished or i'll never be able to move on which isn't great like i i need to let go of that too uh but that's part of why i don't tend to have many unfinished pieces because once i start them i need to feel i feel the need to absolutely finish them at some point or i won't be able to move on to something new do you find that the doodling that you've been doing for the last year has impacted your process yes big time yeah 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 for sure uh it has de-dramatized a lot of the process it has allowed me to have fun with lots of things that i wouldn't usually use like bright colors it has allowed me to forgive myself for the days where i fail to be a good artist quotation mark it allowed me to be proud i'm really proud of my 2020 doodle diary I don't care that I didn't finish most of the days. I'm actually happy that I didn't force myself to fill in every each page. I can look back and forgive myself for the times where I didn't draw as much. It's something I'm proud of, not only because I achieved the Doodle Diary and I have a nice object now, but also because I had to learn to work through lots of different issues that I was having. Um... I, in the beginning, when I first started the Doodle Diary, I I found it very difficult to do the drawing. I would leave it until very, very light in the evening and I would feel really bad and I would have to force myself to draw. It felt really unpleasant. And then since then, now I don't have to force myself to draw anymore. Even if I do end up doing it a little bit later in the, in the day, it doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like something that's purely for enjoyment. Um, I don't know, seeing the diary, even the new one that I've got in front of me here, I'm filled with joy about it. It's an item I'm happy about. I'm so excited to share it with my patrons when I do. I'm I'm excited to draw in it. I don't feel the need. To, I can draw any image that I find on Pinterest that I think looks cool. I can draw it in there because I just want to, not because it's going to lead to me making a product out of it. It's, it just, I don't know. It, it's, I'm like, I feel like a child again with it. I can just have fun. And as a result, it's made me relax about everything else that I do. Um, it's showed me that art is just not that dramatic. It's literally just about doing. Do you feel that you are deriving your motivation from certain types of emotions? Or are you fairly broad in where you get your motivation or inspiration from? Um, like if you're really, really happy because of something happening outside of art. Mm-hmm. Do you, does that have an impact on what you create next? Yeah, or? probably. I reckon so. It's not conscious. So I don't realize what state of mind I was in, I was in when I created a piece until I finished it. Uh, I don't consciously realize what I'm creating until it's completed, which sounds a little bit weird, but I don't know. I think my art helps me consciously realize what state of mind I am, I'm in. But yeah, for sure, I think how I feel will absolutely affect what I'm inspired to create. 
at any given point in time. Right. I I think it's true for all of us. I think, and I, you know, I think it's unfortunate that so many people have called out people like Taylor Swift, right? That you know her her songs are about all her breakups, but we never talk about you know the male artists that write the songs they write. Mm-hmm. And I think it's true for visual artists that you know what you what you go through, um, and even when you look at at your pieces, right, with uh, with tether and more specifically shelter. That there is an impact, and in, in, it can be a, a happy event or it could be a sad event. But um, it's good that you have the Doodle project because it yes. does. I, 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 you know, for those who still look at your art and think, Miriam, we we have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> the joy that came over through your voice and the fact that you see you know you're a child again with the doodling, I think is is. I mean, that's embracing all of you, right? Yeah. Like you're doing work that makes you question why you created it or not question but understand mm-hmm. try to understand yourself as to where it came from and then on the other side you're doing this doodle project and you're i i just think the diversity in your work is providing for a diverse version of yourself and i think that's great. i agree yeah for sure um i understand why people think that i'm unwell sometimes um and some will ask with kindness and then i said <laughs> Add someone on my on my Doodle Diary YouTube video. Um, someone quite mean say that um, they uh, deduced that I had a form of pathological lying and severe anxiety and recommended that I go see a therapist. So that's a very mean comment. <laughs> but okay, if you could deduce that from a fifteen minute video of me drawing, sure. Uh, <laughs> but it. It it puzzled me because I don't know where they would get that from. My art isn't, it's multi-layered. I don't express one emotion with what I create. I express, I express all of them. And I think that's why when you ask me if my emotions affect what I draw, I was a bit hesitant about how to answer that. It's because I don't think I ever, ex- I ever feel one specific emo- emotion that then leaks into what I create. I think I, I feel a lot of different things at any given point in time, and they will all be included in what I decide to create at that time. And that Doodle Diary is exactly that. It's, it's a mess of everything I felt during 2020. It goes from happiness to sadness to creepiness to to joy to to silliness to everything and i aren't we all like that i aren't we all really complex and multi-layered and have lots of different emotions about everything and i don't know it just puzzles me when people look at my work and think that i'm entirely dark and tortured because i really don't think i am and if you watch my videos i'm not like a dark sad person um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think what's it the fact that you just spoke about this openly, I think is great. Like the, that you talk about this comment and that you embrace it as you have is, uh, is a lesson for those out there who may be beating themselves up or, or, or having one specific comment, uh, affect oh, who yeah. they are. It, it does affect me. Like that comment made me quite sad and angry because the way they said it was cruel. It was, it was mean. and. For one, we <laughs> don't diagnose strangers on the internet. Like, just don't. It's not. It's not a thing to do, you know. And also, don't use it as an insult. 
It's one thing to tell me I've got something. I don't care. I know I don't have the things that you're accusing me of having. I know who I am. I'm confident in myself. But then there'll be people in my audience who see that and think it's an internalized negative energy that comes off of comments like this and beat themselves up and think that they can't create what they want to create because they might be told that they are dysfunctional. And it's not true. We, uh, for one, I think we're all just dysfunctional to some extent or another. Life is difficult. Life is traumatic. We'll go through difficult things uh, and we all need a way to express those things. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. The comments like that just make me sad because I don't want anyone to who's struggling to think that that's going to be the reaction to them creating what they want to create if they want to create similar things to mine. Okay. Um, yeah, I never understand that, that people put so much effort into being mean to one another me or neither. to somebody else. I, Especially I if you think the person has a mental problem. Right. Wouldn't the right reaction to that be kindness and understanding? It's yeah. not yeah. an insult to have a, a mental troubles. It's not. We, like, it's just a thing that we go through. Yeah, if you're truly concerned, post a, a 1-800 number or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't use it as a weapon against the person. What, exactly. what a cruel and insensitive thing to do. Um, right. Well, I think, you know, if you're listening to this, know that there are people who will listen and people yes. that will support you. And Absolutely. you've said it and so many times. And most people will. Right. And you've said it so many times in your videos. You know, if, you're, if you are having trouble to reach out and, and you, you try to project this empathy through your videos and say, yeah. you know, that I'm concerned about you. And we hear that. Like when you say that, Miriam, we hear that. Oh, and I think people need to hear that, that there are people that are positive and supportive and are truly concerned yeah. about what you're going through. And as artists, we have a role to play and mm -hmm. we take it seriously and we love it. And part of it is hearing these negative comments, but the joy that it brings to so many people in creating art, in doing a podcast, in people listening to our conversation is something we'll never know. But uh, I'm pretty sure this podcast will have a serious impact on many people. I absolutely agree. Yep. Definitely. So Miriam, I always ask for homework. You had homework the last time, and uh, I wanted to ask you for some more for the listener who wants to take it to the next level or explore and I've been trying to do more and more homework for my guests because I feel like I should be doing more of that. And I haven't just because of schedule. And I'm really anxious to hear what your homework is. Um, homework. Well, it depends on the objective. If the objective is to become technically better at art, I'd say that attempting a challenge like those common hundred hand challenge or hundred faces challenge can be really cool um, and try to be creative with these different hands so, so you keep it interesting for yourself and fun um, try and find lots of different images on Pinterest of different types of people and draw those I think that being able to observe um, reference images and understand how they work in order to make that study fun for you and find different ways of creating studies every day can be really really um, a really good exercise but if it comes to trying I think I'm, I'm a big proponent of trying to teach ourselves more about ourselves and trying to understand ourselves a bit better and try to understand our relationships to what we create a bit better because technical progress is there's a lot of information out there on how to do that but there isn't so much information about how to become 
have to have a healthier relationship to ourselves and our practice. I don't see that thought very much. So maybe an exercise towards that. I think um, I'd I'd recommend trying something similar to my daily doodle diary. Uh, maybe not a year if that seems completely overwhelming, but even if it's just like a month of trying to draw every day, but with no pressure. So with no ulterior goal other than just putting pen to paper every day and try to connect just with the pleasure of scratching lines on a paper it's not about drawing well it's not about having an idea it's not about creating a page that looks finished it's about just having essentially just having fun and connecting with the reason why we started drawing in the first place. I find it hard in the age of social media and hyper-sharing to reconnect with our own personal reasons for doing things because it can be easy to feel like we create stuff in order to share and make our life look interesting and and, and get the validation from an exterior source. Right. I find it difficult sometimes to reconnect with exactly what I'm, why I'm doing this for myself, just for myself, in a vacuum. No one else will ever see what I create. Um, no one else will ever get to appreciate it or tell me if they like it. It's literally just facing yourself in that on that empty page and deciding that you're going to draw something because you just you're excited by 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 doing that one thing. I don't know if I'm making any sense or if I sound pretentious as all hell, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what's wonderful about having something as relentless as an everyday drawing challenge is that you need to find a balance. You need to find something that works where you're able to maintain your sanity while also creating something that you're happy with. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great suggestion. And, you know, people will look at your doodles uh, daily doodle and be inspired by that. And I, I would just add to this that in doing something like this, like anything, is making sure that you uh, you give yourself permission to do it. And yeah. if you if you live with a partner, that you make them aware that this is going to be part of your yeah. day now. I love how you put it. Give yourself permission is a really good way to do it. That there's a huge value in this. I, I wish I did it more. But I don't, and but I don't feel bad about it. But you shouldn't, absolutely. Right, and it's not about sharing it. It's not about posting no. it to Instagram. If you feel that, and, and I will say this, that if you feel you want to share something that you've drawn, just you can you can send me an email, and I I have many listeners who send me work. They've oh, they've drawn stuff wonderful. I've drawn. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! I've had I did a squirrel, and they've drawn it. Like I, yeah. I think received about four or five drawings oh, of the squirrel. Oh, that's so good! I love that so much. <laughs> and I love seeing your work. Yeah. So if you do a journal and you're really proud of something, and you don't want to post it publicly, send it to me. I, I love to see people's oh, work. Oh, that's so lovely of you. And uh, I'll share it with Miriam as well. Yes. And it's you know if if you want to feel like you know you want to share it, that's cool. And I just want to always say that you know I as Miriam was talking about earlier you know, being accessible, right? Mm. And being available for people who are, because I have a lot of people now are coming out and, and emailing me and contact me saying that they are, uh, they're, they're starting art again. Oh, that's in so their, good. You know, as, as I did. 
And it's just wonderful to hear that. And people sending me pieces they've done. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, yes. Every so often I've received pieces. I don't do anymore because I can't receive things in the PO box I have because I pay for everything I receive. Okay. So, but every so often when I used to have my actual address, people would send me stuff in return. And I have a few pieces from followers and they're, they're some of my favorite things. Just... I've never, I haven't received anything in the mail, but uh, digitally people will just, you know. Yeah, I digitally too. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could spend more time um, talking to people about their artwork, but I'm so drained by social media and I get so many messages now that it's difficult for me to not feel incredibly stressed <laughs> about that sort of thing, which is very sad because I would love to be that person who's there for every person who wants to share their work with me. I, I really would love to be, but I sadly I don't have that sort of social amount of energy all the time. I do it every so often, but I can't do it as much as I wish I could. But it's okay. It's super cool that you do that. And um, yeah, super lovely that people feel safe to send you their stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fun. But I did want to kind of take away what you were uh, speaking about, but I just, you know, sometimes people want to share and, yeah. you know, receive some... Maybe validation's the wrong word, but just some acknowledgement. Yes, right? and, and be uh, seen. I do, yeah, exactly, because yeah. your partner may not be into art at all. Yeah, be thinking, absolutely. What, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I think the one thing I'd say is if you want to share your work, try and be aware of whether you are doing it because you are proud of something and you want to share it because it's a part of you that you're, you're, you're happy to share. Or if you're sharing it, because you want others to tell you how to feel about it. Don't expect others to feel about the thing you've created the same way you are allowed to feel about it. Give yourself the permission to feel how, however you want about the piece and don't let others dictate how your feelings should be about what you've created. You are the first person who has the most validity to feel however you want about what you created and don't let anyone take away that from you. And if you want to share something and people don't like it as much as you like it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you should like it any less than you do. Miriam, that's a wonderful point to end on. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic way to, to, uh, to end the interview. I think that's such a positive um, response for those who are on a creative journey, wherever you may be, mm -hmm. whether you're uh, two steps back or 10 steps forward, exactly. wherever you are, that's a, that's a really good thing to hear. Wherever you are, you just deserve to keep going if you want to. Exactly. Just the more artists there are, the better, honestly. Absolutely. Once <laughs> <laughs> society catches, you know, realizes that there's a there's a huge value in artists oh, gosh, beyond yes. where, the way it is now. Then, oh, uh, can I share one story? Yes. Um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about NASA and they were mentioning the fact that NASA scientists, looking back on the reports about the first journey to the moon, regretted not having an artist there to um, explain the experience, express the experience mm -hmm. uh, along a, a, a perspective that wasn't just scientific. And I heard that and it made my heart explode with happiness because in a society that keeps telling us that artists just are not as valuable as anything else and is should not exist unless um you know, should should I not I not useful or practical or just valuable as a as a, as an occupation? Hearing us being acknowledged as a different way to express and 
experience of the world that is also very valid and valuable was just nice i enjoyed hearing that acknowledgement of artists and uh yeah i remember hearing that as well yeah and yeah because elon musk was talking about uh, he had some kind of event where he was talking about saying an artist to the moon oh interesting uh, amongst, amongst others and um that's that was exactly my thinking as well is is being able to embrace a, a creative in telling a story. Yeah, and that's um, what we are as humans. We're incredibly creative. Right. We are so keen on experiencing the world in all its facets. Yeah. And I think artists are one of those facets. Yeah, life is more than uh, than bits and bytes. And, it is, uh, yeah. 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 And if we want to transcend survival, art has to be a part of it. And I think that, you know, this the whole pandemic has shown us the value in in creatives and art, yeah. Uh, whether it's visual art or, or music, absolutely, or um, TikTok, absolutely. Right? <laughs> I, I am sure. I mean, I know people on, on. I don't know them personally, but people on TikTok that have done really, really well. Yeah. And I think it's because they've leveraged, you know, their time that they have available to them, but also mm -hmm. the platform. Yeah, absolutely. Creatives. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Miriam, for coming on the podcast again. It's been uh, such a long time since we last spoke. Yeah, thank gosh. you so much for putting your uh, your time aside for this. We'll both uh, <laughs> be exhausted at the end of this. <laughs> but I do appreciate you putting this time. and um, It's into... always a pleasure. It really is. It's made it's... my day. So <laughs> That's, nice. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think this has been fun. And so if people want to get more of Miriam... Dilson, uh, where can they find you online? Oh gosh, everywhere, I think, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I know there's a lot. I'll provide links to all of it, but yeah, uh, you know, YouTube, you're on Instagram, YouTube. YouTube, Instagram, Patreon, Twitter now, more or less. I sometimes okay. upload on Twitter, not very often. <laughs> uh, TikTok, because I'm down with the kids, apparently. Not right. very well, but I try to. Yeah, I've got a website too, where everything's linked. So that's yeah, also and, a good and you've way. got a shop there, so people can buy prints and stickers. And I do. And, yes, yeah. I have a shop on there too. Indeed, so I will include all of that in the show notes, <laughs> so people need to check out the show notes. That's where all the good <laughs> stuff is. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Miriam. I hope you have a very prosperous 2021. I hope to see more work and more doodles. Thank you so much. Same and, to you. And thank you for continuing to inspire um, all of us to do to do better and to explore and uh, to be open about being a happy creative. Thank you, and thank you for giving us a platform. It's absolutely amazing to be able to talk about it with you. Fantastic. Thanks, Miriam. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Okay, bye. bye. Show notes, including links to everything Miriam and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 47. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.